welcome to Blah of Attraction. I am your co-host, Liz. And I'm Jamie. And we're talking all things manifestation, metaphysics, and mysticism in the modern world. For those of you who don't know what we're all about yet, we are two yoga teachers on a mission to shine some light on the inspiring humans out there whose intention is to help heal the world. We will be the first to tell you that we are not experts on most things, but we do have an undying passion to never stop learning and to challenge the status quo when it comes to the nature of living, healing, and thriving. So if you're ready to open your mind a little bit, we're ready to show up as our raw and unfiltered selves to serve up some spiritual real talk and hopefully inspire some of y'all and even ruffle some feathers out there. Because if anything, that shows that we're doing something right. Hello world, Liz and Jamie here. What's up? Today we're extra stoked to introduce to you our super special guest, Shannon Nicole. She is a magical, mystical mama whose work inspires a conscious relationship between mind, heart, and body so that we can live a life to the fullest. Her mission is to help others cultivate a balanced life by using a powerful tool called the Enneagram. This ancient mandala clearly indicates the exact areas that we need some inner work so that we can become more equipped to find our bliss. Today's call is a little extra unique since she's in the middle of a road trip from Washington to California. She shares an incredible story about how she traveled to India to speak at an Eka Women's Conference where the keynote speaker was Elizabeth Gilbert, the author of Eat, Pray, Love. However, as locals may argue, it was Shannon who unexpectedly became the star of the show. And if you love this episode as much as we do, please let us know. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and you can even leave us a voicemail on our website at lawofattraction.com, where you can also subscribe so you don't miss a thing. All right, without further ado, let's get to it. Hello, Shannon. Tell us about India. So India, India has been calling me since I was 18. It was really kind of a butterfly experience. So the first, the seed started at 18 of, of the caterpillar <laughs> born. <laughs> and by the time I finally got to India at 45, I turned 45 in India. I was, I had taken this amazing journey of honoring my spiritual and psychological and emotional journey and really finding my wings. Um, so it was so amazing to have watched something be birthed at such a young age and then watch myself be able to kind of grow into what it became when I went there. I was invited to speak at a global festival. It was an ecofeminism event that called together influencers and amazing women from the East and the West. And Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, was the main headline speaker of this event. Um, it was at this ancient ashram that honors the earth. It's very um, much a kind of the, the OG Greenpeace. Been around for 500 years, honoring the earth and honoring women as the divine feminine. They were leaders from all over the world. And because I had done a lot of intercultural work in, in the past, bridging east and west, when I saw the description of the festival and I heard Elizabeth Gilbert talking about it on Instagram, I decided that I should be going to that event. <laughs> so. 
the funny story about India is that I literally applied to speak at that event from my toilet. <laughs> so basically in the amount of time that it took me to pee first thing at 7 a.m., I had already applied to go to India with a list of And by the time I stood up, I literally said out loud to myself, that was crazy. What the heck did I just do? I mean, like, that's never going to happen. I even sigh out loud. It's, that's never going to happen. But my soul was like, oh, no. I, I knew they were going to ask me to come, which was so crazy because in my ego, I was like, that, that was crazy. That was like an impulsive move. But my spirit was like, I, I know I'm supposed to be there. And sure enough, wow. I thought I was going to get another application so I could give them more of my information and, you know, just have a more formal process from that quick second application immediately responded back the next day and said, we want you to come and speak at our event. Yeah. Oh my God, so like, cool. oh my gosh. And, and the crazy thing about it was I hadn't even told my husband <laughs> because <laughs> I was so sure that it was just like a whim and I was, it was kind of a crazy thing that I just did and hadn't really thought through. It really wasn't such a whim. It was something that had been, had been birds in me since I was 18. All that to say, I ended up flying to India as part of a panel of of India's top 10 prominent women were speakers there um, and ended up speaking at this amazing event um, with 200 women from across the globe. And it was life-changing. Question so far, because I can tell you the, the, the most crazy part of it, which is not just me applying from the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> what is the craziest part? I'm dying to know. The craziest part um, was that there was one particular day. So the first day um, I presented twice at the event and there was this large red that the prominent speakers were part of and I was more of the, the side group that was part of that um, larger festival. And so um, I the first day I presented in the ashram, actually I was one of the very few of the workshops that got to present in the ashram itself because they had an external red tent outside. And so I was very fortunate and very lucky to be actually able to present in two different places in the temple, in the ashram. The first one was largely a group of Western women that came. And I thought, I thought that that was my main presentation that I was going to give. And it, it was just me and it was a beautiful event. I realized that I was actually supposed to be speaking as well, um, but I hadn't prepared to, to do this twice. And I didn't the exact same thing and because my um event was not part of the the larger the main red tent festival holdings they actually didn't even end up putting my workshop on the list of because it was a side workshop that was going to be in the ashram and i just decided well i'll just make it a photo shoot and so what i ended up doing was going into this artist venue preparing for this event and so i went out of their play yard full of different props and different things. And I found all of these saris. And so I ended up laying around uh, the Enneagram and creating this beautiful display of, of what I was going to do. And I thought, well, I'll just make it a photo shoot. It's probably going to come. Everyone's going to be in the red tent. And nobody even knows my event's going on. Well, that the, the universe had something else in mind because what ended up happening was because the majority of the Western people were actually in the red tent, but all of the native women that were there from Pakistan and India and all of the pilgrims that were still coming to the ashram, both men and women. And so what ended up happening was there was a, there was a that were with this one smaller workshop that was going on. And when their event ended, because the local women saw that I was 
chanting their saris and I was using these different local elements to create this mandala in front of the temple, what started happening was I drew an enormously large crowd of men, women, and children. <laughs> um, and I had no translator. <laughs> um, they dialects. And so it was, it was really amazing. And what ended up happening was that the guru came out. Um, I hadn't had a chance yet to explain to him what I was doing, but immediately when he saw the Inigo Mandala that I had created and he saw the aligning chakra points, he immediately within just like a minute understood exactly what it was and was wanted me to, wanted to take a picture with me in front of it. And so the for the newspaper ended up taking a picture of me teaching the guru about the Enneagrams. And then all of the men and the women started gathering around. And it just so happened right after the guru walked away that the other workshop ended and the two translators, because I needed two, because I had two different dialects of women there and, and men, women, and children there, um, came over to my workshop and ended up translating the entire event for me. Wow. Oh my and, god! And kept asking if they could be part of it, which they weren't really supposed to because it was a it was a women's festival, <laughs> right? But they ended up watching on the periphery. And the the interesting thing that whole day was just amazing. So the next day, that was the last day of the festival. And the next day, out of town, and as I was preparing to go on this camel caravan after the event, and I literally had people running up to me in the street. I was on the front page of the newspaper of the event because oh of what had happened and and my and and Elizabeth Gilbert was the main speaker and they had 10 of India's most prominent women speaking at this event my crazy little thing on the side ended up becoming the front page <laughs> experience so I really thought that I was supposed to go there to, to, to do one thing but because I just surrendered and opened to the journey and there were so many crazy things that happened that day but this is just the highlight of it, it ended up being this amazing transformative event event and the women immediately receptive to it many of these women didn't even read and write in their own language and yet as wow. soon as I put the symbol down on the earth and I had it connected with the chakras and I started exploring this journey of transformation and participating in your own evolution and connecting back to your inner child the women literally got up which is what I have people do instinctively and started walking inside of the Enneagram and walking out intuitively knew what the symbol was saying and by the end of it they were crying I mean it was it gives me chills even talking about it it was so amazing. It was so amazing to watch the the symbol transcend the words, if that makes sense. Yeah. I knew this um, and that they knew this wisdom. And really, I had believed that the Enneagram was very much rooted in so much of what yoga and Ayurveda teach. And they immediately recognized it were moved to tears. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm covered in chills right now. Wow. And all of that was not planned by my ego never <laughs> right. and right. I, oh, also one last was one last really cool point before i went in to do set up for the ashram uh, workshop um i went into this temple and i was there with a woman and i was doing actually a private reading because i'll do private readings where we connect to the messages that are held in the body through the enneagram and and i was walking and i was doing a private reading before i did this 
and we walked into the side temple and mind you like i said most of the people participants were in the main red tent so there was just a lot of open space there normally wouldn't have been at the festival and um when we went in there a man who was a pilgrim who was visiting the ashram came in and the crazy thing about it too was i was standing there with my friend he immediately walked up to me and he gave me the blessing that's given to the guru which was very culturally not normal and i immediately was like whoa what happened but right after he was when this whole scenario happened and it was almost like he was honoring what was about to happen he was like consecrating me for but what was about to happen do do, do you know what i'm saying it was like he came in and initiated me for what i didn't even know what was going to happen at all and it was so beautiful and i i even said to him i'm not the guru and i I, you know i because i had been watching how they greet the guru i was like i'm not the guru i'm not the guru it to me anyways and i was like whoa and it was really healing tying back in that 18 year old piece because the 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 tradition that i was brought up in did not honor the feminine spirituality Mm -hmm. it did not honor the divine feminine and Mm -hmm. what this man did to me and what india really did and healed me was that he honored the divine feminine in me I told him I'm not the guru and he said to me yes you are Mm -hmm. and and that doesn't mean that Shannon's the you know I wasn't the guru of the ashram but he was saying to me I see the divine you and I initiate you to go do what's going to happen now it It was so beautiful so beautiful it reminds me of what Elizabeth Gilbert talks about in big magic like your little inner genius or your, your little inner guru and it's exactly that it's like when you're in you're in that full surrender there is something very magical in you that is a part of you but a part of everything and it's just like mind-blowing this is so cool Shannon I am curious though for our listeners do you want to give just like a little mini like like what is the Enneagram if you were going to like try it's so big but if you're just trying to try and give it like a little basic um description i guess yes and i i love that we um and sometimes it's fun to just jump into the middle of the story and then go back to where it started like a good movie right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah hook so, them in first <laughs> yeah exactly and actually what the enneagram is is so much of what the the women the native women were experiencing was it's a living mandala. It's really a, a living mandala that is the embodiment of many esoteric ancient wisdom traditions. Um, that is really a reflection of, as mandalas are, the inner reality of what's happening within us, right? The mandalas have this beautiful way of reflecting the sacred geometry, which is the which is our DNA strands, which is what, you know, what, what is our very understanding of ourself on a cellular level. So when we see a mandala, we see ourselves, 
we see ourselves at a cell level in a very beautiful, harmonized way. The Enneagram is really this vision of an inward reality. It's the map of the soul. It's the map of the psyche. It's It shows as you go into this amazing tool, it shows you the road back to you. Ultimately, we are, we are most whole and holy when we feel connected to our mind, when we can feel connected to our heart, when we can feel connected to our body. And those three things become the, the the vehicle for our soul. But often along the journey, what's happened is we've lost one part of ourselves, trusting the wisdom of our body. Maybe we've been violated. We've stopped trusting the wisdom of being led by our heart. You know, our feelings have been hurt. We've encountered heartbreak. And so uh, along our journey, we be begin to take out those Jenga blocks and we lose connection to ourselves. And the Enneagram shows you kind of your life and how to get back pile back in order and um what's really powerful about it too is when you align it with the chakras which is the original intention behind the tool it starts to show you that depending on where you're your body will start holding certain areas for example there's a certain personality type um, that's associated with the root chakra and it's aligned with the number one on the enneagram it's one to nine these nine different points along this mandala and the root chakra is often depicted in the west as the perfectionist um, but that's really the lowest vibration of the root chakra. The root chakra is like a root system. So having just spent five months in Washington and I have a whole next level appreciation of what roots can do, right? Their roots mm -hmm. are stabilized, expansive. Sometimes the roots of a tree are even more expansive than the tree itself, right? And they're interconnected and they're nourishing and they're reaching down. But when something starts to go wrong, that's when you get root rot. And that's when you get perfectionistic, right? Mm -hmm. But when you see yourself as somebody whose ego likes to fixate at that root chakra, that one space, yourself becoming a perfection, perfectionistic, that's when you have to remind yourself of your original essence. I am the root chakra. I have this element within me and it's either my strength or my weaknesses. It's all how I'm using it. Does that make sense? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. I um, was doing some research and I, like I, I'm a four, I guess, on the Enneagram. And so I go to one space when I'm doing well, right? That's and actually that, your, your inner child. That, and yeah. that makes so much sense to me because one of my biggest like, I don't know, neuroses is not feeling grounded in um, my, the, that I am root chakra mantra seed, like the I am presence where I'm just like, I'm not quite feeling myself. And when I'm doing well, I'm absolutely in that. And I'm so aware that like how interconnected everything is. And that what keeps coming to my mind is that big fungus, I think it's an organ, right? That's yes. like, that expands for miles. And I was just learning that like, that fungus can pick up it, it it's so smart and intelligent even though it's like unseen and and way it you know beneath the earth but it can pick up the like the vibrations of like your footsteps miles away from the from the very center of that mushroom it's so in like a super alien intelligence that it literally knows like what little tiny sprouts coming up, you know, above it. And it's, that is so beautiful. Thank you for putting that picture in my mind. Well, I love that too, because, you know, what, what normally happens is that there's usually, there was probably some event in your life that made you feel 
probably the lowest vibration of the root chakra. Maybe your family structure or your family dynamics or something in your life was a little bit too restrictive, right? Too confining. And so your ego decided, hey, the four is often called the individualist, which is interestingly connected with the navel chakra. Uh, and the navel chakra is at the center of that solar plexus. So you were like, hey, this there must have been something in your life that had felt restrictive and you wanted to find your own individual identity away from that. Mm. Is that correct? Absolutely. I have six brothers and sisters and a twin. So yes. <laughs> I'm like, who am I though? <laughs> yes. So your ego, your ego set out on this journey to connect to your own individual identity because the energy got too intense at that first space. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so what happens is, um, you went on this journey to find yourself. It's kind of like Alice in Wonderland. So if you think about it, I so you are Alice. Alice. That's funny. <laughs> you are Alice, and that your your first place that you entered was the tree. But you had to take that journey to find your own self, to find your own path, and to come back full circle. That's cool. That's powerful. <laughs> so in stress. In stress, you go to number two, which is associated with the sacral chakra. And part of the reason, and, and I want to really say this, I want to make a point of in the West, we call that stress, but it's actually growth. Mm. You know, anything stressful in life is also a growth opportunity. And anything good in life usually has an element of rubbing us the wrong way before it becomes good, right? Like even like, you know, maybe getting into a relationship or having a child or buying a house whatever our goals are, there's usually an element of stress involved in it, even if it's growth, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. yeah. so for you to went on this journey to find your own individual identity, your ego, your soul, your ego wanted to do that, but your soul was trying to ensure that you would have balance. And so your growth point is the sacral chakra. That's the womb space. That's the relational piece because it's helping you to be able to come back up from that tree like Alice. If you didn't have that other aspect of self, those three points, one, four, and two are your own little triad, your own little trinity, you would get so lost in your own journey, your own personal will that you might forget about others. So mm -hmm. your two aspect is going, hey, Alice, you're going on this epic journey into the underworld. Amazing. But make sure you come back up and make sure you come and take all of that with on your own personal journey for the benefit of others because really you're a relational person at heart so liz, is a, <laughs> liz is a three what can you tell what secrets what three what secrets <laughs> that's the achiever well, right the achiever no. so these two, so let's let's because in the west we we've put labels around these words and the words are important and so we got to make sure we're always careful with the labels that we give ourselves because Depending on the culture you're born to, example, like when I was using one, the root chakra. Perfectionist, if you were maybe from Japan or from Northern Europe, the German culture, that's a compliment to be a perfectionist, mm. right? Mm -hmm. But in Southern California, flip-flop culture, that's not a compliment to be called a perfectionist. Right. So the, the words that we... <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, and that maybe the root is, chakra. Yes, totally. And that's probably why you ran away from it, Jamie. Because you didn't like that idea of like being a stick and stick up your butt. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
the label actually be part of why our ego re retreats. Um, and also because, for example, yours, Liz, is really a, a double-edged sword for you because the achiever, I mean, especially in Southern California, Orange County, I mean, that's like the pat on the back. Everybody wants to be the achiever, but you might tempted not to take your journey because you get so connected to your sense of achievement that other people can see. And so mm -hmm. when you're not successful to others, you might question. Do, do you see what I'm saying? So depending on the label that's associated with you, it can be a blessing or it can be a curse. Mm -hmm. Perfectionist is not, you know, do you know how many people that come to me are ones and don't want to admit they're ones? <laughs> so that's, that's part of the reason I want, I want to connect it back to the chakra. So your main chakra associated with you is the solar plexus. And that is the Manipura. That is the willpower. That's where your achieving and manifesting power comes from into the world. And interestingly, the two chakras really instrumental for manifesting are one, the root chakra, and three, the solar plexus. So there's no coincidence wow. that you guys are doing this together because you need the roots, <laughs> you need the roots and you need the solar plexus into the world. Oh my God. That's amazing. That makes sense. We always laugh yeah. it's like when we're together, it's like our powers are like, it's like we're just magnetizing what we want. Like literally our first meeting ever about even this whole entire podcast, um, someone just calls Liz out of the blue and asks her to be on her radio show asking if she has any new projects coming up. Our first just chat about all of it. We're like, <laughs> oh my God, what kind of a manifesting freak are you? <laughs> you know, this is so perfect because what the really what the Enneagram does when you start to understand the system beyond just um, labeling your, your personality, but really understand it as like your map of how you function and cope in the world and it's your balancing act you start to value the alignment between certain people in your life. Certain people in your life are powerhouse combinations. You, you know, you two together are a powerhouse combination. Largely you hold that, that those two really strong chakras within you that are the, the main, those main places of manifestation to the world. So it's the tool is actually energetic charge within ourselves and with other people in the world. But they come to the tool when they're kind of in a place in their life where they're like, what's going on? Like when they need to recalibrate, <laughs> right? Or like, what's happening? Like, wh where am I again? It's kind of like GPS. It helps you get back on yeah. track. And then it can kind of point like, hey, if you really want to do certain things, you need to cultivate these kind of people in life and attract this kind of energy so that you can do the thing that you feel in your heart. So for Liz, as a three, she has her ego is fixated in that solar plexus space, right? And the navel chakra is really the, the pinpoint. That's the four space. That's the navel chakra. It's right in the center of it. Um, so Liz has, having taken her yoga class, when she's in stress, you've really alchemized your stress point. Your stress point is actually the nine, which is the crown chakra. The crown chakra is about being, not doing. And that's where the manifestation comes in is when you relax yeah. and you just like let yourself be. Totally. And, you know, Liz, watching your whole um, breast reduction surgery and all the different, or not reduction, but like taking out some of the implants, I was like, wow, like Liz is totally healing her higher heart chakra. Like it was so powerful to watch you do it because I was like, you intuitively tuned into like, I have to embrace this part of myself. 
and heal this part of myself, your life has aligned in a different way once you did that. Like there's no judgment against that at all. I don't mean that. But for you you, on Instagram, I could see you and I knew you were three. I was like, oh my gosh, like Liz is doing the exact thing she needs to do to heal herself. It was so beautiful. (laughs) That's so cool. It it just, you know, it was like, I I didn't even have a question in my mind after, after six years of having them. I just, it was a weight. It was weighing me down and it was, it was just not me, you know, and the influences I had at the time when I got them are are different than where I'm at now. And I'm, I just didn't fit in who I am anymore. And I feel I've freedom was the word you used earlier. And that was the word that was the only word I could think of. Oh my gosh, the, the best word I can think of that describes how I feel right now is just totally free. And and I don't feel bad about, you know, ever doing it in the first place. I don't think it's bad if other women do it. It's just me personally, I felt like they were holding me back um, from who I who I really am. Well, and I think that you actually articulated exactly what I said about participating with your evolution, because the reality <laughs> is the growth process is not stagnant. So there yeah. was probably a that originally did and there probably were really reasons why you first got the implants and they probably did give you a certain confidence or certain for all the different reasons that you that you needed them in the first place that was part of your evolution but then eventually your evolution was to let them go and I think that that's a perfect example of how people get fixated at one stage do you see what I'm saying because there's probably a whole group of people that support you to do it And then when you're like, now I no longer need to do that, then those very people are speaking against you. But you're also modeling that there's never just one way of anything. Like we are always in process. There's never just one thing that's going to work. And then now I need to do something else because now this is off balance. And no matter where we are in our, it's never really about the thing in and of itself. It's about like, why am I doing the thing? Like whatever it is. And I, I, I think that that's, that's the key. You know, mm-hmm. the, the participation that it's a, it makes me actually think of this quote that I heard from Heidi Pride, and it was talking about how to love, to, to love someone long-term is to attend a thousand funerals. Oh, I love that quote. To attend yes. a thousand funerals of the person that they used to be, but that's also yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you attend a thousand funerals of who you used to be. And you let mm-hmm. yourself grow. Like the lobster is actually a really interesting animal because we always think of like the butterfly as more of a metamorphosis. But the lobster in its first year of life, I think it has, and don't quote me on the number, but it's like it, in its lifetime, the lobster sheds like, I don't know, 20 or 30 shells. Like it continues to shed. It continues to grow. It continues to have a new shell, a new shell, a new shell, a new shell. It's whole life. It's not just one metamorphosis. Right. That's the truth. Yeah that's the truth of growth it's a ton of shells you know the shell Mm -hmm. that you we we knew each other two years ago in person and all the things that have we are all walking around with new shells at this point like (laughs) that's that's more of the realistic part of life yeah it really is i love that visual we're all walking around with new shells right now don't get too attached yeah. to any of those cells it's about being the lobster <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's been a, a blessing uh, to go through that whole thing believe it or not and uh 
I just feel so good now. So thank you so much for saying that. That's very kind. I'm, I'm also very open about the explant. I don't really care if people know about it. So I loved, yeah. I loved it though, because you know, the, the reality is, is that it really isn't about the implants or explants or whatever. It's not even about that, like the judgment on whatever anybody does. It's the why. Yeah. And so yeah. I just watched you unpack and settle into that you didn't need to fortify that part of your body because that's where your inner child space is and that's where your first wounding would be energetically. So the fact so that my, you my, wanted to put an implant there, you wanted to fortify yourself up makes yeah. a lot of sense. But then you decided that, no, actually I need to accept myself. And that, yeah. that was the ultimate healing for you. And maybe for you at the beginning, the implants were a part of accepting that part of yourself. Just, just, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like both, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it's maybe layers of healing. It's the evolution. Maybe the implants are the big part of that acceptance. And then later on, it was like, hold on. I thought I needed this, but maybe I needed something else. And you're like fine tuning what you need to be healed in that way. It's about your journey. It's about your evolution. And so it was so beautiful that you shared it. So obviously that inspires others. Yeah. That's why, I, you know, it's funny for months I was like going back and forth. I'm like, should I tell people I'm doing this? Like, does anybody care? And I'm naturally very private um, when it comes to personal stuff. I don't put it usually on social media to hopefully bring a little inspiration or at least to just offer an alternative perspective, you know, and just to be like, you know what? I am going to embrace who I am naturally and love every second of it. And if you want to join me on this journey, great. You know, like I had some, like a couple people reached out and I think they took offense to it because they have implants. And I was like, that's so funny that people take a personal situation and make it their own. And they kind of twist what I'm doing in their own, you know, psyche and they change it. it it's like, it's very interesting. In, um, and um, that I had to even like stand up for what I was doing. It was just weird, but I got more support than anything. And, and people, I think overall understood my, what my message was and, it's just to like love yourself, you know, like to to trying to live up to the expectations of other people and to, you know, find the beauty in in my own unique body and your own unique body. And whether that means to, um, you know, enhance or to subtract, whatever that means for you, you know, <laughs> find your joy and, and find your peace. And that's how I found mine. So thank you so much for your for your kind words and your support over that. Well, and I think that you actually are taking exactly what I said about participating with your evolution, because the reality is the growth process is not stagnant. And there probably were really good reasons why you first got the implants. And they probably did give you a certain confidence or certain for all the different reasons that you that you needed them in the first place. That was part of your evolution. Yeah, so I love that. Oh, my God. The first time the first time I ever took a workshop with you, Shannon, I was mind blown. I um, I absolutely loved First of all, the way that you drew the Enneagram on the floor with such grace, like there were candles and fresh flowers. And then you even used the string, the yarn to like tie it all together and make the mandala shape. And you had everybody, you know, you know, we didn't do the whole test to really get to know what our number was 100%. But you gave us an idea sort of of where we were. And then you had us get up and it was just so beautiful. You even created these beautiful little placards that just had the number and then all these images behind it that resemble what that number is. And, you know, after learning that, it started to really make sense before, let's just say before that, I always questioned 
why the hell I would, in the midst of stress, choose to do nothing. Uh, Mm. In the midst of, not nothing, but like in the midst of, I would say, overwhelm. The feeling of having too many things to do, the feeling of like, oh my God, I, I know I have all these projects. I will sometimes choose to do absolutely nothing. And it, it, it's like almost like not even a choice. It just, I just do that. And then, but I've learned now that this is just, this is a pattern that, that is sort of ingrained in me. And now that I know this, I can, you know, take steps to perhaps, you know, get myself out of that funk when I get into that. Because I now know that that's what I tend to do. You just described so perfectly, Liz, the duality. You get stuck between doing, 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 and do nothing. Doing, doing, doing. So what often happens to threes is the ego fixates and goes back into the place of doing instead of thinking about it, which Mm -hmm. becomes your superpower. Can sit Mm -hmm. with my mind and not be overwhelmed by my thought. Yeah. So you could say that using this tool is honestly not just a way to get to know yourself and to even become more successful and more creative and and find peace and happiness, but you can actually avoid the things that you don't want because you can sort of almost see them coming in a way. Well, you're finding your middle path because at the end of the day, we are all prone to extremes, doing everything and then doing nothing. Those are extreme without the stillness and the steadiness of your mind. You're, you're, you're prone to burnout. So this is finding your middle path. And I say, you cannot manifest until you find your triad. Does that make sense? Because yeah. your triad yeah. connecting back to the parts of ourselves that we fragmented from, but mm-hmm. midline, when we start to say, okay, this is no longer working. I need something stop we start to go back on a journey of this is the hero's journey all of our tales are about leaving home and going on an epic journey this is um alice in wonderland this is wizard of oz where dorothy goes on this amazing journey and then returns back to herself right the 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 wizard is telling you know the lion that he had courage right but he had to go on this journey to reconnect back to self and once you do reconnect i think that's when the manifestation comes in abraham hicks a beautiful thing that that they mention a lot is that we're always creating like that we are we are on this planet to create and if we are unaware of that and maybe we we get sucked into negativity we create anyway but we create things we don't want we don't even know we're doing it it's not deliberate so would you say that using this tool is is an extremely effective way to to not only manifest but to like actually specifically create the things that it is that you're that not only that you want I would say because sometimes we we get things that we didn't even realize we wanted and we're like oh my god this is even better than I had in mind so this you know using this tool can get you into this really great headspace to just grab all the things that life has to offer that maybe you're not even aware of totally I'm always learning I'm forever a student and. I love what you just said because what it, it it just I had my own little chills moment when you just talked there, Liz, because what he, uh, talking about what Abraham Hicks um, says, what it is is like we're always sending out a frequency, but what mm-hmm. happens is it reminds me of back in the day, especially if you if you were if you were you know listening to the radio before all of the everything was online, right? Like we're always sending out a frequency, but it's like the station's not fully tuned into. So mm-hmm. there's just a lot of like <sighs> right. So there's still noise there. Or you can kind of hear it, but you're not like really on the right radio station. But find that like the exact where you can actually hear the video clearly, right? With the that's dial exactly and everything. Yes. So it's like this yeah. is that's exactly what the Enneagram helps you do. It 
to to like find where the dial exactly is. You're probably living close to it all the time. Like you can kind of hear it, but you're not fully able to like hear clearly. You're not able to create clearly. You're not able to manifest clearly, right? But it's like, how clear do you want to be? I am always trying to figure out how I can get back to my best frequency. It's a daily practice reminding myself. It's like, what frequency do you want to attract? And then can you sort of mimic or become that frequency? And then it just flows right to you. Um, In doing research on this all, it it was heartwarming because it seems like the Enneagram is accepted in most spaces and traditions and people are kind of catching on. A lot of it was like, take your personality tests online for your business, which doesn't quite include the like esoterics of it. But you know, it's cool that like people are going to catch on. So what do you see in terms of the Enneagram, like becoming more and more widespread? Like I I read that it was like a pseudoscience and most of the things that I'm into are called pseudoscience. And that seems to make it like, it's not legit. You can't see, you can't prove it. But what do you see for like Enneagram in the West? Because clearly it's like, you know, sacred and people are connecting to it universally a little more so in the East where there is still mysticism alive and well. How do you see it like in America or just like, how do we make this accessible and understandable for people to see it as as being very legit and not, you know, too woo woo? (laughs) Well, um, I, I will say that, you know, before I started teaching the Enneagram specifically um, in this manner, I had 20 years doing intercultural um, communication work and I lived abroad and taught abroad and worked with people from all over the world coming to the United States and then I would help people go abroad and I've lived in, on a few different continents. So my my foundation in this tool is East-West Bridging. That was a large part of what I did. I work with CEOs, help them and their families and their their wives and their everybody and their, their business adapt to living in the United States or prepare for living abroad. And that's how I came across um, the Enneagram is one of many different tools that helps you understand yourself. Because ultimately, when you leave your comfort zone in any way, you are confronted with yourself, right? And you're confronted with the work that you have to do. So I think that part of the reason that the Enneagram is coming into consciousness again right now is because the world needs some serious self-reflection. Because we've got some serious problems. The earth is in trouble. Our society, there's systemic issues. There's a pandemic. They require that we attune to our own frequency first before we can do any really transformative change work in the world. And unless you're doing that, nothing will change, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's part of the reason it's coming into the consciousness. But very much how yoga, I see a future around the Enneagram, very much how I've seen a future around yoga, right? People come to yoga and they may be introduced to it in a, a gym. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of benefits around yoga just as a, a means of stretching. But the longer yeah. you do, the longer you start realizing, oh man, like this is not just about stretching. Like when I do these certain poses, when I, you know, yoga is aligned, is putting your body in movements that, and uh, in, in poses and asanas that are, that are attuning you to the, the, areas that your body is holding trauma our dog is you you know looking at your navel chakra it's this the ultimate self-reflection piece the more you get into it the more you start realizing oh what now this is not just like a test i take on instagram or like what color are you or whatever right the more you get into it the more you start realizing oh whoa like it's showing me all of my stuff like it's showing Mm -hmm. me 
And I think the temptation, just like with yoga, when you reduce it to doing a pose on Instagram, right? Like if, if you're right, if you reduce it to just trying to do a performative pose, like show the world that you can get into tree pose and take a picture of it versus like mm-hmm. actually trying to align your body, fill your root chakra in tree pose when no one's looking. That's a very different mm-hmm. experience of doing that, that same pose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, to really attune to it and let the let the tool start to really work within you it changes you yoga changes your life when you allow the enneagram to come into your life the enneagram changes your life and for the same reason that yoga does because it's mm-hmm. attuning you back into wholeness it's it's helping you find the pathway yourself it's cultivating within you self-reflection and giving you tools to do that and helping your body um, that's part of the reason i'm a power uh, and passion around connecting it and giving it back to the yoga community because I think it's actually a really powerful svadhyaya which is a Sanskrit word for one's own reading one's own you know understanding of self it's a really pa- practical way of like mentally understanding what's happening when you do yoga what's different about what I do with readings is it's not the same as just taking um, a test online you can go online and take its personality test um, which will help where your personality is. And that's useful information. But it doesn't give a lot of tools around how your personality is trying to communicate with you through your body. And that's what my readings do. We tune into how your body is telling you messages and we align that with the Enneagram and the way that your body is really reflected in your personality, if that makes sense, and vice versa, right? Your body is holding your life story. So when you start to connect back to, especially as Westerners, we're very disconnected from the body. That's why yoga is so healing. When you connect back to your body, you start realizing that your body is telling you that you're stressed um, before your consciousness is aware of it right? So your subconscious is communicating with your body. And really the Enneagram is a map of the subconscious. And that's what my readings do. It connects you the way your body is held. Your body is holding your story, right? And when you start to release some of the physical stress in your physical body, your personality to evolve. Does that make sense? Right? Like you start to grow, you start to participate in your own evolution versus trying to fight it or fixate. It's powerful. So how does someone get a hold of you? How does someone plan to do this sort of transformational work? My website, Enneagram-experience.com. And you can go under Ennea readings and you can book a, book a session in person or in person in Southern California area or virtually all across the globe. And you can book one session or you can book up to four. The sessions are usually focused mind, body, heart, and soul. Um, I have a free discovery call where people can chat with me for 15 minutes and decide if this is the kind of work that they need. And um, I will say this, that the Enneagram, the work that I do with the Enneagram is very much attuned. It's very much a somatic experience, but it is very much like an X-ray. It's like an X-ray for your soul. And so I work with many different therapists and healers of other modalities, because once we discern the work that you need to do, um, I'm just the x-ray. I usually refer people to somebody else that can help them on that journey. And that's really my passion around the Enneagram. And the work that I do is a collective rising because I by no means have all the answers, but I have a really great tool that helps diagnose the problem. And then mm-hmm. I 
network with other healers. So any other healers that are listening to me talk, I'm a great referral and vice versa. A lot of times um, therapists send me their clients first so that we can get to the heart of the matter faster. And then they go back to that work with their therapist. Very much like, you know, the doctor needs the x-ray technician to figure out exactly where the fracture occurred before they put on the cast. And so it's a beautiful symbiotic relationship that I can have with other healers, all different kinds of modalities, because what's going on with you, you're going to need different healing work, right? There's no one size fits all. Right. This tool is just going to show you totally. the work. We love that. That's a huge wow, thing so why cool. we want to do this podcast. It's like we just know so many awesome people. And I'm like, you got to get these voices out there. So thank you for what you're doing, Shannon. It's inspiring and life-changing. And, you know, it's not the typical thing. So I know it's like there's a a bit of having to be bold and put yourself out there. And so I just want to say thank you on behalf of the masses for doing what Aww. you're doing. Thank you. <laughs> you are the exact kind of person that we want to share with the world in our little circle of people. And, and the more people who understand this, this tool, the better, right? This is just, this is for the people. <laughs> this is grows. so we can, yeah, it's so we can be better humans and we can take care of each other and ourselves and, and enjoy life. I mean, why the hell are we here, right? <laughs> Totally. You know, there's a feeling of overwhelm in the world right now, like guys, the collective consciousness, right? Where there's just, mm -hmm. and I, I think that if we can all really start in our own backyard, like I've seen you, Liz, you know, like your own food, like if we can all start doing the little things to take care of ourselves, we will heal the world, right? Like if yeah. we all started doing that work, we really can change the world if we, if we start with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And Right. That's my passion around this. It's not about my business or any of that bullshit. It's more about like, I want the world to change. I want it to be a better place for my son, for myself. So I want to do that work in my own little universe. And I really believe that if we all did that kind of work, it really would change. So yeah. that's my passion around sharing it. It's not even really about my business. It's about like, what kind of world do I want to live in? Well, I got to be part of creating that. Thank you for being the change, Shannon. We love you. You guys too. <laughs> and love you too. And so, so thankful for you guys doing this. Do you happen to have any last little words of wisdom? Anything you want to share with our audience today? I guess if I had to have a tagline, I don't have a tagline on my, my site, but I would really just encourage your audience, whoever's listening, whoever needs to hear this, to participate in your evolution. Because the reality is we are all very much like a butterfly. You know, we all have a metamorphosis that is a natural part of life. But often we fight that, right? We fight the evolution. We fight the process that's happening to us. Or we try to stall it or we try to interfere with it or we try to make it go faster than it actually is, right? right. And the more we can surrender to participating in our own evolution and realizing that that is also modeling to others the same, I think that we can come into a place of ease, you know, of trusting the process. Um, we often hear that word, trust the process, but I think participating is also important too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness, this was so fun. Thank you again. And if people want to find you, what's your website? Enneagram-experience.com and Enneagram is spelled E-N-N-E-A, that's the Greek word for nine, because it's a nine-pointed star, gram, 
wonderful. That's perfect. Thank you so, so much. Liz, is your mind blown? Completely. That was amazing. I am speechless. We want to know what you all think. So find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and you can even leave us a voicemail on our website at blahofattraction.com. And once you're there, don't forget to subscribe, and then you'll never miss a thing. We really enjoyed this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Namaste. Namaste.